You know, I want to I share something with you. I have never in my life put it together before. And I don't know why I haven't. But I, I call it the greatest promise from God. One of the greatest promises of God of things to come. Now think about this. One of the greatest promises of God of things to come. Well, I feel sure the, that the most familiar verse in the New Testament, uh, I guess we'd all know of what it is. Uh, the greatest verse in the New Testament, most familiar verse, let me just say, maybe not the greatest, but the most familiar verse is what? John three sixteen. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is so familiar and so true. I love the next verse. He said, God did not, listen to it. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Thank God, but that the world through him might be saved. But I want us to think today about perhaps the most familiar passage in the Old Testament. Man, there, there's a lot of long and good and wonderful books in the Old Testament. But there's probably one passage that more people know than any other. A lot of people who are not even believers know this, ver- don't know this passage. Does anybody have any idea what it might be? Don't say it out loud because you might mess me up. <laughs> but you know what I believe the most familiar passage in the Old Testament is the 23rd Psalm. You know, almost every funeral service you attend or celebration service for a Christian, they read the 23rd Psalm. And you know something about that? Can I tell you why it's one of the favorite passages in the Old Testament? Why when we read it, we get such a, a, a comfort And renewed strength from reading the 23rd Psalm. Because it's probably the most personal passage in the Bible. You you can't get any more personal than the 23rd Psalm. Let me tell you why. The The pronouns I, me, and my are used 17 times in the 23rd Psalm. Now think about it, it's not that many verses, but 17 times it's either I, or me, or my. Well, let, let's, let's just read it. I'll put it on the screen, and uh, you can just uh, follow along with me as I read it. The Lord is, say the word, my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk, yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they Comfort me. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Seventeen times I, me, or my. Now, did you know that everything in the 23rd Psalm was fulfilled by Jesus Christ? It is a promise. Psalm 23 is a promise of the great shepherd that would one day come to lead his people. Psalm 23 is a promise of the good shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. Man, I came across this verse in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Man, I want you to listen to it. Uh, and, and man, it is just uh, so, uh, such a great picture of the inspiration of the Word of God and how the Word of God all fits together. In Hebrews 13, 20 and 21, look at what it says. May the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead... That great shepherd of the sheep. Think about that now. May the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead. That great shepherd of the sheep. Now listen to this. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. He, brought, he raised from the dead the great shepherd, great shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. You see, God was going to make a covenant with his people. In the old covenant, it was law. In the new, new covenant, it was based on grace and mercy. But the whole new covenant was mediated because Jesus shed his blood on the cross for our sin. And the Bible says in 1 Peter, we're redeemed not with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as without spot and blemish. So here, here, here he describes Jesus as the great shepherd of the sheep who th through the blood of the everlasting covenant. What a link between Psalm 23 and all the teachings about the new covenant in the New Testament and about the blood of Jesus. Also, I want you to look at John 10. Jesus is not only the great shepherd, but he's the good shepherd. Let's go back and read that other verse. I should have read that part because it says something important. Can you go back to the verse right before? He said, Who the blood, through the blood of the everlasting covenant make you complete. Now, stay with me now. He raised from the dead the Lord Jesus, our great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the, his covenant that he make, may make you you, complete in every good work. He wants to make you complete in every good work. Well-pleasing in his sight. Well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the great shepherd wants to make you complete in every good work. That you might be pleasing to the Lord. But then over in John chapter 10, let's just listen to Jesus. Listen to the 11th verse. I am the good 
shepherd. Jesus, you're the great shepherd. He said, but I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep on the cross. The good shepherd gave his life for the sheep. And he goes on and says in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. Now, wait a minute. He said, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. They, I know them. They know me. Goes on in verse 16 where he's talking about the good shepherd. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Stop. That's us. This was spoken primarily to a Jewish audience. And they understood about shepherds and sheep. And he knew, they knew that if they would trust him as the Messiah that they had been looking for, that he would be their shepherd and they would be his sheep. But he said, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold. That's us, the Gentiles. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. Praise God. And they will hear my voice. Thank you, Jesus. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. In Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, black nor white, male or female. In Christ, we are all one in Jesus Christ. So, man, Jesus is the living fulfillment of the 23rd Psalm. And I want to show you from the 23rd Psalm that one of the reasons Jesus can be the good shepherd and the great shepherd is he laid down his life for the sheep. He, he said back in uh, verse 18, he said, uh, in, in verse 18, but anyway, he said there, I lay down my life for the sheep. And he laid down his life for the sheep when he died on the cross. All right. Now, let, let's talk about how Jesus fulfills every verse in Psalm 23 and how it applies to us. Well, we see the uh, first one is this. It goes on like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Well, it says that the Lord is my personal shepherd. And it says the Lord is your personal shepherd. I, it didn't say I know a shepherd. He said, no, let me tell you, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, here's the question. How does the Lord become your, question, your, your shepherd? Just because you read this psalm? Oh, no. How does the Lord become your shepherd? Well, the Bible makes it absolutely clear how everyone here, there's no other way than this, makes the Lord his shepherd. In 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Now look at this. In this the love of God is manifested. How do you know God loves you? In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Oh, it's by receiving the love of God in Jesus Christ that Jesus becomes my shepherd. Or you can say, he's my shepherd. And he goes on in chapter 4 after verse 9 and says, 
In this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, substitute, sin bearer. There he is hanging on the cross, Jesus, the propitiation for our sin, the sin bearer. On on him, on that cross, was your sin and my sin. Every wicked act, thought, or deed we ever did. Jesus bore our sins in his body on that tree. So how does he become my shepherd? How does he become your my shepherd? Is that you receive the love of God that was given to you in Jesus Christ when he died on the cross in your place and took your sins upon himself and shed his precious blood so that your sins could be gone. What can wash away my sin? Tell me the answer. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hey, how does he become my shepherd? We receive the love that God has for us in Jesus, and we receive the cleansing of his precious blood from all of our sin. You know, it says over in uh, Romans, Acts 20, uh, Verse 20 and 21, I want you to listen to this. You say, okay, Brother Fred, I can say Jesus is my shepherd. And everything in 23rd Psalm will apply to me. But how does that happen? Well, you recognize how much God loves you. You recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place, took your place, shed his blood so you could be forgiven. But then he tells us how to receive him. Acts 20, verses 20 and 21. It says here, Paul told him what he preached when he was at this city. How I kept back nothing that was helpful. Paul said, I didn't, everything that was helpful to you, I preached it. I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Listen what it is. Testifying to Jews and to Greeks. Here it is. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you know how the Lord can be your shepherd? You repent of your sin. You repent. It means that you agree with God that that action is a sin. And you agree with God that it's a sin against him. And you agree with God that he's telling you that he'll give you the power to turn away from that sin. People tell me all the time, well, I can't quit. I can't quit. No, you don't want to quit. The reason you can't quit is because you're trying to do it yourself. You you are helpless before any uh, stronghold or uh, repeated sin in your life. You're you're, you're helpless against it unless you have the power of Jesus Christ to set you free. He came to deliver the captives. You can struggle, you can strive, you can wrestle, but you cannot set yourself free. Only Jesus can. And that's why it says there's got to be repentance toward God, which means, Lord, I want to change. I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want that lifestyle. And God has to bring you there because there's pleasure in sin for a season. Oh, yeah, but it's only for a season. And your flesh without Christ is strong. But God's spirit moves on you and gives you a repentant heart. And you say, Lord, I don't want to live that way. I don't want that in my life. That's repentance toward God. I'll lay it down. And then it's faith. Jesus, you're going to have to forgive me. And you're going to have to deliver me. Repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ. 
So how can you say, the Lord is my shepherd, receiving his love, receiving him and his perfect sacrifice, his shed blood for you on the cross, and then calling upon his name. Don't you love this verse? That if you will confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, and 10, look at it. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, not your head, if you will confess your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you will be, what's the word? Hallelujah. Some people don't know about that word saved. (laughs) I love it. Saved by his power divine. Saved to new life sublime. Hallelujah. What a savior. He said, I have come to seek and to save those who are lost. Man, you call on the Lord. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead. For with the heart, not the head, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know, here's the beautiful thing. Jesus can be your personal shepherd if you'll just call on him. Call on him. He won't turn you away. You repent and call on him. You know, in John 10, verse 24 through 27, boy, don't, don't you, uh, I just love this. I'm talking about, this is, this is the first point, and I know it's long, but I, it's not going to take you as long on the next one. But if you don't get this one, the rest of them don't mean anything to you. If you understand that, say amen. amen. That's right. You've got to get this first one or nothing else matters. Don't, don't you love this in, in, in John 10? He just said in John 11, 10, 11, I'm the good shepherd. He said on down, I, I, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, now, so the Jews are just questioning him. And they want him to tell them whether or not he's the Messiah. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, the Savior, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. Do you, but you do not believe, because you're not my sheep. And I said to you, now listen to this. This is what I want you to see. Verse 20, um, 28. All right, he's, he's been telling them that he was the Messiah. He told them that they didn't believe him. And he said, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. You're not believing. And then he said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I mean, you know when he's your shepherd? When you hear his voice and you follow him. And look what he says. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. Anybody in here a candidate for eternal life? I'm voting for it right now. And I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Praise God. The devil says, what if? He tries to make you afraid. 
You just speak to him and say, let me tell you one thing. I am a follower of Jesus. I am one of his sheep. And nobody, including you, devil, can snatch me out of his hand. So what does he say? He just tucks his tail and runs. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can pluck them out of my father's hand. Okay, can you say to me this morning, the Lord is my shepherd. That is so personal. I know you've heard this story. I know you have. But I, I, once you hear a story, you never forget it. The shepherd boy was growing up in one of the colder regions, and his mother taught him the 23rd Psalm. And it went like this. This is the way he learned it. The Lord is my shepherd. And so he got trapped in a snowstorm and froze to death. When they found him, this hand was holding on to this finger. Because he remembered, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, that'll comfort you no matter what you go through. If you can say that he is. So you say, Brother Fred, he is my shepherd. Okay, now. The, the, the Bible says about Jesus, the great shepherd. He said, I, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, to be honest with you, the, the best translation is that. And, and want is okay, but it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. My shepherd is such a great shepherd. I don't lack anything. Because in my shepherd... I either have everything I already need or he's going to give me what I need. And so it's very important that it says about your shepherd, I have, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not lack. Let me tell you, number one, if the Lord is your shepherd, you will not lack spiritual blessings. You won't. You will not lack spiritual blessings. Boy, I love all those promises over in the Word of God that talk about uh, uh, our physical needs, our spiritual needs. Hey, let me just start off this way. If the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not lack your physical needs. Now, does that mean you'll have a new house and a new car and a Rolex and you'll always have more money than you won't need and you, you have to give it away, you got so much? That, that's not what it's saying. He says you won't lack. You'll have what you need. And by the way, he said, said, having food and clothing, therefore be content. But what about a new car? If God gives you the money until he gives you permission, go ahead and get it. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Your other one's been breaking down anyway. I shall not lack. What does Philippians 4.19 say? I believe this to be true. As the word of God is true. And my God, hey, he is my shepherd. I shall not lack my physical needs. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God says, I'm going to meet your physical needs through Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken and his seed begging bled. You say, Brother Fred, what about the Christians in and, and, uh, Bangladesh and all the poor countries of the world? 
They're still living. All they may get is a bag of grain that's dropped from a plane of grits that they can eat. And it certainly breaks our heart because God said always to remember the poor. But I'm going to tell you something. God is faithful. And if he's your shepherd, he will meet your every need. Not your every want, but your every need. So he meets our physical needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I, I shall not want physically. Number two, I shall not want sp- uh, uh, spiritually. You know what it says in this 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And he says, he restores my soul. Now, that, that's an awesome truth. You see, everybody in this room has a damaged soul. Oh, yeah. Your mind, your emotions, and your will have been affected by this fallen world in which you live. And so the shepherd, Jesus, saw that sin had soiled our soul. It had affected our minds. And we were making wrong choices. So the good, the great shepherd and the good shepherd says, you're not going to lack because I'm going to restore your soul. I mean, that, that which the devil has stolen from you, what the locust is eaten, he said, I'm going to restore your soul. And I love that. See, our shepherd is able to, uh, we will not lack spiritually because he will restore our soul. Listen to Ephesians 1, 3. Now, this is so plain. You say, but I'm, not, I'm just not blessed spiritually like other people. They're just more spiritual than I am. I'll never be spiritual and all that kind of stuff. Well, then you don't believe this verse. Look at what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In, in your great and good shepherd. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing. It is all wrapped up in the shepherd. And the closer you get to the shepherd, the more you're blessed with God's blessings. He's he's blessed us with every spiritual blessings. Listen to uh, Philippians 1, 9 through 11. It says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and judgment. He said, I'm praying you'll grow spiritually that you may approve the things that are excellent. He said, I want you to make right choices. Hey, all of us have choices that we made that we wish we had never made. All of us have written pages in our life that we wish we had never written. All of us have gone down roads in our life that we wish we had never gone down. But the truth is, but Jesus came to restore our soul. He came to restore our soul. And he says, I want you to approve the things that are excellent. I want you to make right choices. That you'll be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ. Now listen at this. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. He said, I want you to make right choices. I, I want to bless you spiritually. And I am praying that you'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Which are by struggling and striving and doing the best you can. That is not right. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ, our shepherd. He meets our every need. 
He is our righteousness. You'll be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Boy, there's another passage I want you to look at. What am I saying? If the Lord is my shepherd, you could say my shepherd, then he'll meet your physical needs. You just got to stay close to the shepherd. He will bless you spiritually. He'll give you every spiritual blessing you need. And you just got to be open and surrendered and receive his blessings. But in, in Ephesians 2, 1, it says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. There was a time I was dead in trespasses and sin. Read on. And you he made it who were alive in uh, trespasses and sin. Then down in verse uh, uh uh, see, I want to jump all the way down to uh, verse 4. Let's just go to verse 4. But, all right, and you have made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now look at this promise to you. Listen to the shepherd. But God who is rich in mercy, aren't you glad that there's no mercy in the bank of heaven? <laughs> there's plenty of mercy in heaven's bank. And God never runs out of mercy. And aren't you glad? Boy, I'm glad. His mercies are everlasting, and we need them every morning. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. See, Jesus is our shepherd. He not only meets our physical needs, we shall not lack. He meets our spiritual needs. He's made us alive. We're alive in, in the shepherd. We're alive in Christ. And he's raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I give you one other verse about how he restores your soul? And this is so true. If anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, thank God, are passed away. And all things have become new. You know how he restores your soul? Man, he, he makes you a new, cre you are a new creation in Christ. And then he tells you just to renew your mind, to renew your mind by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he meets all of our spiritual needs. By the way, that's when it, when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Then he goes on and talks about the fact that he leads us in paths of righteousness and he restores our soul. But he, he talks about two other things right there in the very beginning. Jesus, our great shepherd, meets our physical needs, our spiritual needs. But you know, have you ever wondered about the green pasture? He makes me to lie down in a green pasture. Now, that meant everything to a sheep. Because it meant he'd had all he needed to eat. And he's ate so much that he's just going to lay down and let that grass have time to digest. And you know, when he says it makes me lie down in green pastures, it's the picture that, I, that I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied. And you know, you're never satisfied until you're in the shepherd. Oh, no. You can fill your world with every toy it has to offer. And try to engage in any sin that offers you pleasure. But it will never, ever, ever satisfy 
the deepest need of your heart. You'll never be able to lie down in a green pasture. You'll be restless. The, the Bible says the wicked are like a troubled sea, just foaming up and foaming up. But you know what you find in, in your great shepherd? You find a green pasture. And that to me is a picture of satisfaction and peace. And Jesus says in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled. What? Don't let my heart be troubled. It's troubled all the time. Let not your heart be troubled. What else? Neither let it be afraid. Do you live a life that is troubled and afraid? Then you're not laying down in the green pasture. You're not allowing your shepherd, Jesus, to give you his peace. Oh, hey, trouble will come. It's how you deal with it. Fear will come. It's how you deal with it. But you let Jesus be your peace. I love that passage over in uh, Philippians about prayer. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, with prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And when you do that, and the peace of God, don't be troubled about it. Don't be anxious about anything. But just make your every request known to God. And when you do that, he said, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever been so confused and so troubled, you said, I think I'm going to lose my mind. Well, get your mind off that and just think of a, just a real lush, soft, green pasture. And you just lay down in it and just start rolling. Just, just roll. And just think about Jesus. What peace he gives you. What peace he gives you. Hey, by the way, you know what he says in the 23rd Psalm? He leads me beside the troubled waters. That's not what he says. What does he say? He leads me by the still waters. That's peace. You know what's also a picture of joy? You know, peace is kind of what's on the surface. But joy is that inner strength deep down inside of you that helps you when the waves are high. And boy, I love what Jesus said about his joy. You see, we shall not lack. It says about his joy in John 15, 11, These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Well, so the great shepherd is personal. He's my shepherd. The great shepherd, the great shepherd is my provider. I will not lack physically. I will not lack spiritually. The great shepherd sees that I get to the green pastures. He sees that I get to the still waters. For he is the green pastures. And he is the still waters. And he sees that I get there. But he's also... The great shepherd is our protector. He's our protector. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And we find real quickly that the Lord is our protector. But let me just go back 
before we talk about how he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death, let's go back and remember this. Let's remember the Lord's Prayer. And this is the way our shepherd protects us from evil. He is our protector, the Lord's Prayer. He says here, Father, forgive me. This is what we're supposed to pray. Forgive me just like I forgive those who sin against me. And then he says this, lead me not into temptation. Now, exactly what that verse is saying is, blessed shepherd Jesus, lead me away from temptation. Lead me away. That's exactly what he's saying. He said, he said don't, don't, don't let me go toward temptation. Oh, don't let me go toward temptation. He said, lead me away from temptation. Lead me not into temptation. Now, the reason you can know that means that he, we're asking him to lead us not into temptation. Because in James it says, God tempts no man to do evil. Neither can he ever tempt any man. So God is not going to lead me toward temptation. There was one time when he did. When he led Jesus in the wilderness, full of the Holy Spirit, to be tempted by the devil. And that was evil and that was sin. Are you saying to me, Brother Fred, I'll never have trials? No, I'm not saying that trials aren't a sin. Are you saying that I'll never be troubled? No, I'm not saying that troubles aren't. But what he's saying is he will never lead you into temptation. He won't do that because he's holy. And the shepherd loves the sheep. So if you're led into temptation, he's not leading you. It's your flesh. And so, man, I love him, our protector. He, 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 he will lead, not lead me into temptation. And then look, listen to what else he prayed. Lead me not into temptation. And listen to this. He said, and keep me from the evil one. It used to be in one translation, it said, just keep me from evil. But then I realized that in the Greek language, he said, lead me not into temptation and keep me from the evil one. Who protects us from the evil one? How do we overcome the evil one? Lucifer, son of the morning. How do we overcome Satan? How do we overcome the devil and his demons? It's because the shepherd. He said, we ask him, Keep me from the evil one. I've got good news for you. If, if the Lord is your shepherd, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. The devil's the defeated foe. He's under the feet of Jesus. And I've got good news from you. When he sees your shepherd, it absolutely drives him crazy. Keep me from the evil one. Blessed shepherd Jesus, I know you'll never lead me to temptation. But you know I'm no match for the devil in my own strength. Lord Jesus, keep me from the evil one. You've got to keep me from the evil one, Lord. And he will. The Bible says, submit yourselves to God. I surrender all. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I love Revelation 12, verse 9. And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they loved not their life unto death. And so... The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack physically and spiritually. I shall not lack uh, as far as him leading me 
and protecting me and keeping me from evil. But you know that there's another thing. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know, um, that is a great promise, isn't it? That the shepherd not only protects us from the evil way and the evil one, but our shepherd guides us through when it comes the time to die. You know, Job, I think it was Job said, there's a time to be born, there's a time to die. There's a time to laugh, there's a time to mourn. There's a time to sow, there's a time to reap. But oh, let me say this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, a shadow can't hurt you. Now, the, tr the truck that casts the shadow can hurt you, but a shadow can't hurt you. It can't hurt you. Have you ever been, been run over by a shadow? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why, I don't, why do I, oh my goodness, I'm about to have a time. Why do I have not have to be afraid to die? Because Jesus is walking with me through death itself. And he won the victory over death, hell, and the grave. Glory to the living God. Man, you don't have to be afraid to die. Oh, no, you don't have to be afraid to die. The Lord is your shepherd. And as you go through the valley of the shadow of death, he'll either bring you through and let you live a little longer, or he'll be there with you. And with his rod and his staff, he'll comfort you. But I want to tell you, he'll be there. And his grace will be there. And death will have lost its sting. And death will have lost its power. Listen, all this world lives in the fear of dying. But praise God, as a child of God, we have no fear of death. You know, I, I mean, I, 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 if I could choose, I would choose how I wanted to die, but I can't choose. But I guarantee you one thing. I may not say, well, I sure don't want to die that way, but I guarantee you this, Jesus Christ, when he, got you, when he became your shepherd, he put you in his hand, and he said, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one shall pluck them out of my hand. And I want to declare to you today, if you're in Christ, and he's your Lord and Savior, and by your, his grace you're following him, you do not have to be afraid of death. It has lost its sting. I love what Jesus told Martha. They were brokenhearted because Lazarus had died. And Martha went to him and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And uh, look what Jesus said. Uh, and Martha said, I know whatever you ask, you can do. Then listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said to her, your brother is going to rise again. And she knew the Bible. She said, or she had not heard Jesus talk. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I know he loved you and was saved. Jesus said to her, <laughs> she said, I know he'll rise again at the resurrection of the last day. Wouldn't you like to have been there when he said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. You're talking to the resurrection. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I am the resurrection. Listen, because he lives, we will live also. Amen. Oh, man. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who, who, who believes in me, though he may die, 
he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You'll never die a spiritual death. Never. You see, you're born, you're born twice. You have a physical birth and a spiritual birth. And you die once. Physically. But if you're not born spiritually, you die twice. <laughs> you die when you die physically. And then there's spiritual death in a place called hell. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to be afraid, for you're with me. You're with me, Lord. And you're the resurrection, and you're the life. Look at that verse on the screen. When this corruptible body, I mean, you know, I'm thankful. Our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm supposed to take care of my body. The Bible says, present your body a living sacrifice. So that means you've got to just kind of watch what you eat. I won't eat 10 chocolate-covered pecans. I'll eat 15. But, I mean, I'm just saying this. You've got to watch what you eat. I meant to say I'm not going to eat 15. I'll eat 10. But anyway. <laughs> so it says, we have a mortal body. And he told us to take care of it and to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Okay. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And then he says, O death, where is your sting? O grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is our great shepherd. And we don't have to fear death. We do not have to fear death. Well, I'm going to go ahead and finish it up real quickly. Jesus is our great shepherd, and we have victory over our enemies. Look what it says in, um, in Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me. Have you ever wondered about this? He's talking about, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. They're all watching. And you anoint my head with oil. And my cup runs over. Tradition says, and history says, when the enemy was vanquished, the victor, whoever it was, they prepared a big banquet for him. And the enemies that had been captured would stand outside and would look inside to him sitting at the table, celebrating his victory over his enemies. And David thought this in mind. You prepare, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies because they have been defeated. They have been conquered. And you anoint my head with oil. You give me refreshing. You give me refreshing after the battle. And I'm pre- I thank God that Jesus has, we have won the victory over our enemies. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes Jesus is the son of God. That's the victory. And the Bible says, who has overcome the flesh? It says, we're not in the flesh. We're in the Spirit. Because the Spirit of God lives in us. And if you do have not the Spirit of Christ, you're none of His. And the Bible says, we've overcome the devil. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You know, when he anoints our head with oil, it means power. Oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. It is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so here you've won a battle, and the Lord Jesus just absolutely, your shepherd, pours into you the Holy Spirit. You already have him. He's in your body. But he gives you refreshed power. He anoints your head with oil. Your cup is running over. 
He anoints you with the power to go on in the battle that is before you. He gives us spiritual power. That's our shepherd. Well, and I close with this. He goes before us, but he also comes behind us. Listen to what it says. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There you are at the table of victory. All your enemies are looking. You anoint my head with oil. You give me Jesus' fresh power, and you refresh me from your presence. And you know Jesus, my great shepherd, good, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. You know, he goes before us, my sheep follow me. And then he comes behind us, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And then that little closing verse, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And everybody said, now listen, if you have trouble being in church for an hour, just get over it. (laughs) Because we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And we're not just going to be eating the whole time. We're going to be singing and praising and worshiping and fellowshipping for all eternity. 10,000 years and I'll just be started. 10,000 years and I've just begun. And I, because of my great shepherd, Jesus, will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever.